we cannot just deny that technology facilitates access to knowledge and education anywhere, uh, anytime. What, what we can do is we work hard to enhance the ways we deliver the knowledge using the technology. We will not be able to just stop using technology because it's harmful. We need to be ready to adjust it, manipulate it, and fix it, and get, gain benefits from it. And, and that's required a lot, a lot of work from us. Welcome, STEMcasters. It's episode 28 of this podcast dedicated to people like you who want to know and be inspired by stories of STEM today and in the future. Today, we'll be chatting with someone who holds a master's degree in information technology. He works as lead data engineer at Mindvalley, an innovative platform for learning beyond school. You probably know this is right up my alley of passion. I can't wait to start this conversation, so please welcome Mr. Suleiman Al-Sabar. This podcast is in partnership with Jess Education, the leading education conference and exhibition in the region. Visit www.gesseducation.com to hear previous subcasts if you've missed them. And now, on to the show. All right, Suleiman, welcome to the Stemcast podcast. I'm very happy to have you here with me today. Thanks, Latifa. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I'm so happy. Awesome. So let me first ask you a question, Suleiman. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, your background, uh, before we delve into exactly what you do, which I think is going to be really exciting for our listeners. Sure, sure. So uh, I'm Suleiman Sabr. Basically, I'm from Egypt. I, uh, I studied computer science in University of Zagazib. Then um, I got scholarship from uh, ITI, Information Technology Institute in Egypt, where I studied in deep how to build softwares for education, which are the e-learning thing. Uh, since that, I'm working in the e-learning field uh, using the technology to deliver like educational contents for different ages, schools, universities, uh, or people outside uh, the education uh, system. Um, yeah, and that's it. I work in multiple countries, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, currently uh, Malaysia. And during this also, I took one year break doing my master's degree in also e-learning personalization using the technology. Uh, yeah, I'm still going. Fantastic. Now, this is this is a really good backdrop to what we're going to be talking about. Uh, you know, it's very clear that you're very passionate about e-learning. And so my first question will be, where did that passion come from? Like, how did you know that you wanted to get into the e-learning field? Oh, okay. I think this came from my parents. So both of them were teachers. <laughs> so the, the house was like, uh, my father teaching mathematics, my mother teaching art. And um, I grew up in this environment that's uh, focused totally on education and learning. Uh, that gave me a chance to understand how the education system works from so close from inside uh, and what the challenging and challenges, challenges <laughs> facing the educator and the learners during their journey to acquire the knowledge. That really taught me um, that the learning is ongoing 
lifelong process, should not stop and will not end. Uh, and as a kid, I grow loving playing video games. So mixing those together, it was like, okay, let's work in making like education fun using softwares. So when I got the chance to choose a major to study, it was computer science. And I focused on building interactive content for kids, students, and learners. That's how it continued from there. I love hearing that story because, uh, you know, a lot of us are really just products of our environment, you know, when, how we grow up, uh, the way that we're shaped, uh, whether it's parents, the, the, you know, the, the environment around us, it really dictates what we end up doing in life. And it, it really does seem like you were able to get a complete grasp on what was working and what wasn't working uh, in the, you know, in the education sector because your parents, you know, are teachers. And then you were able to take that and say, hey, you know, what are the real pain points here and how can I innovate around that? I really love hearing that story. And now, you know, you're the lead data engineer at Mindvalley. So firstly, I want you to explain to our listeners who are not uh, familiar with Mindvalley and maybe that, you know, they're stuck uh, in a rock or under a rock or something that, you know, they don't know what Mindvalley is, but share with us what is Mindvalley and then also um, you know, Mind Valley has several powerful taglines, right? And one of them says, it's not too late to learn everything you wish you learned in school. So if we were to begin with that and, and, and use that as, you know, as a question, when you started your professional career, what were the things you wish you had learned in school? Yeah, sure. Um... Maybe by, by time we grow, we discover that uh, we, we lack like enough knowledge about how to, um, to deal with nutrition, for myself as example, how to deal with nutrition and health and all this stuff. We are not, it, we are not getting this knowledge in the schools as it should be. You, you need to know how to survive as human <laughs> before it's, you know how to work as accountant or lawyer or, lawyer or whatever. It is also the science of how habits work because we are our habits is the things that we do every day. How it works, how we build it, how we break it, how we change it, how we familiarize ourselves with it. Uh, I, I, I will jump from here to um, to talk a little bit about Mind Valley, as you mentioned it, because in, in Mind Valley we we the whole ecosystem of Mind Valley focusing on helping people to acquire this knowledge that uh, traditional education um, couldn't deliver it to them, but they needed to do that transformational growth in their life. Uh, Mind Valley plays the students and, uh, in an uplifting ecosystem uh, to do the transformation and connect it, uh, connection that um, rewards them was like a profound shift every day. Um, we, we are trying to make it possible for anyone, anyone, uh, anywhere, uh, not only to get benefits of the education, but get exceed like, like the elite education he's looking for. Um, yeah, Mind Valley platform is like helping uh, people to achieve transformation in their life and based on their goals. 
Yeah, I love it. Uh, can you give us a, a specific example? Like how can, for example, transformation come about? Amazing. So um, let's say, let's say you are talking about transformation in your career as example. So you, you need to, to understand many things. Why you are doing this career? What's your goals from there? What's your next step? What's your vision about this this job, what's your goal from doing all of this? So, so through the content that we are delivering for our students, you can start to understand what you are looking for and how to achieve it and how it can help you and what can help you exactly. We are building the content, not just like delivering content, we are also delivering community. So it's not you only in this uh, like, learning this course alone. No, let's connect you with all the students like you who are studying now. Let's have like conversation between you and them, but let's go more. It's not only like we are using the platform, the online education platform only. Let's make events and gather you together and practice what you are learning here. Let's meet you with the teacher who are teaching you in this platform. It's not like just giving you some content and you consume it and end of it. No, we are helping the process of the growth itself. Yeah, and this is so different to, you know, traditional education, traditional college even, you know, the uh, building a whole community course, around yeah. what you're learning about and celebrating the learner, um, I think is, is a really powerful equation, especially when you consider as well, the things that you talked about, which is, uh, unfortunately, the skills that that schools don't teach, you know, you mentioned habits, which I think is a, you know, is a, is a life skill. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, that's not something that we're taught at school. Uh, and that's something that we have to yeah. learn ourselves in the real world. But imagine creating a whole community around, you know, your goals, creating that accountability and making your learning visible exactly, by... Yeah you know, rewarding uh, yourself when you, uh, you know, when you specify a specific habit and you hit it every single day, you know, you feel good about yourself. You want to continue building on that habit. Um, and I think that's maybe, I don't know, I'm, I'm asking, like, is that where the gamification element comes into the picture? Of course, gamification have a very big role of giving the people like, um, the, the, the feeling of that they are achieving and re, the re, they are getting rewards. Um, and how, how to, to like um, in, in, ingest the gamification in, in, in the specific parts of the learning process that keeps the student motiva motivated all the time and keep him continue the, the learning process and be happy to come again and to, to continue learning and continue doing his um, his homeworks, his uh, tasks, uh, whatever uh, the education process required him to do we, while he is happy. He is like feeling the achievement. And gamification is one of the strongest, strongest tool that makes this visible for the learner. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I, I always say, you know, if we try to make learning as what, what would be the word as, you know, as attractive, but even as, uh, you know, as 
can't seem to remember what fun. the word is. Yeah, and <laughs> of course, it has to be fun, right? So that they can continue coming back and back. Yeah. But really, um, to make it addictive, I think that was the word that I was looking for. To make it addictive, uh, you know, exactly. kind of like gaming, so that you can come back over and over and over again. And you almost don't feel like you're learning, <laughs> you know, so because it's so much fun. So let's exactly. segue, exactly. uh, totally Suleiman. Yeah, let's let's segue to talk a little bit about, um, you know, how did your career path come about? Like, did you always know that engineering, in particular data engineering, was the path for you? Or did you stumble upon it, uh, you know, just, let's say, serendipitously, just by mistake? Or did you plan it out, knowing that this is something that you've always wanted to do? It wasn't exactly a mistake and it wasn't bland also, to be honest with you. I started as a content developer, like building interactive content for educational verbs for schools, universities, companies, building games that have some information inside it and so on. Uh, the shift came when I uh, decided to quit my job 2015 and do my master degree and I focus on e-learning personalization. I thought at this moment that I already have some like IT skills that will help me to deliver some uh, adapt adaptable system during my uh, master study. But um, I face the big challenge that personalization process require data. And there is no pre-engineered data to be used for my research or for any adaptive learning style. So I collected the data as part of my study, of course, and, uh, and it took long time and huge effort to collect and clean and set this data to be meaningful to do something personalized. At this point, I decided to shift my focus on, on the data engineering itself and the technology related to it. Um, it, it was like uh, not big shift, but it's like big change in mentality because now I'm not developing uh, apps that the user use, but I'm just using data from, from our databases, that our houses, uh, and 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 get insights from it, um, and here I am leading the data engineering team, Mind Valley, and building the most advanced education platform in the world. That's fantastic! Really super. So you talked about uh, you know focusing your master's degree on e-learning personalization. I'm wondering. You know, how would you be able to explain that in very, very simple terms? What does it actually mean uh, to focus on e-learning personalization? What does it mean in, in practical, simple terms to, you know, any individual uh, that might be listening to us today? Okay. Um, so, so personalized e-learning or education is like act of customizing the, the process, all the process, like the environment, starting from the environment, uh, going to the content itself, and uh, also how the interaction happens between the, the student or learner and the environment and the content, and how we ensure that the community is proper to help this learner to learn this. So, so uh, if we give example, like maybe some students, the best for him is watching some videos and then answering MCQs, uh, and he prefer to play some games or answering his question using quiz or some challenge in a video game. He, he gains the knowledge more in this, and then he would like after that to discuss what he did with some gamers like him. So how we can like 
customize the whole learning process for you to exactly fit what the best like environment content and community you like. Yeah, so like basically a completely uh, personalized learning plan, if you will. So as opposed to going to school and it's of like course. a one size fits all, everyone reads the same textbooks. Um, they don't take into consideration, for example, that, you know, some would prefer the visual uh, content, etc. And they're all tested the same exactly. way. Uh, you look at it completely differently and say, hey, these are all individuals. Uh, they consume uh, information differently. They understand information differently. So the way that we have to support them is to create personalized plans to be able to give them, let's say, the maximum, um, you know, the the maximum potential for them to be able to be successful. Uh, and that way, you know, I think I think it's fair, right? Because you know, when you're even when you're testing them, you're testing them based on their own personal abilities as opposed to um, I don't know how many, like 25 people in the class and that are doing the same thing, uh, which seems kind of ridiculous because, you know, we're all very, very different. And so being tested the same way, being, you know, having, uh, you know, been, been put through like a, a structured education system, expecting that everyone's going to get the same results um, just seems really outdated and and uh, and not fair, to be honest. Because you hear a lot about some people who who do really well at school, and that's because specifically, you know, they're good at doing like taking tests, right? They're good at uh, memorizing, they're good at sitting for for examinations, etc. But then you see other people that may not necessarily do well, uh, and I put that in quotations, and um, you know, by school standards. But then in life, you see yes, them yes. succeeding like beyond what their classmates at school were, uh, you know, were, were doing. So it just seems like, it, you know, it's fair to say that personal, personalized learning uh, should be uh, what, what's, um, you know, what's, uh, you know, I, I guess like the priority for education moving forward. Exactly, exactly. It was, uh, was a huge like uh, development in technology now. I think it should be there. So let me ask you a question about, you know, you mentioned about data, especially when you were doing your research uh, in your master's degree. So what kind of data actually helps you when you think about uh, personalized learning? Is there specific data that okay, you're looking so for? And, and also maybe like, what is the role of data in e-learning? How, how does the, the data help you shape the, you know, the e-learning process, if you will? Yeah, so, so there are, there are like um, different, different type of data we, we need to collect and work with when we deal with like the learning process. So, so we are like collecting the data from, uh, from different like uh, sources, like uh, of course the user profiles, um, uh, the interaction between the user and the content itself uh, his his interact with like the assessment or quizzes or games we are doing um, we, we need after that to of course um, to store this data start out processing it analyzing it and so on so so it's really it's really like depend on how the platform is like handling this data so maybe our most important thing in one platform 
that we need to have like a full profile about the student. Uh, and this profile can help us to decide, okay, based on his background, based on his environment, based on his interest, we can like deliver this content to him by this method using this technique. Um, and, and, and the idea how to, how to collect enough data to be able to like automate this process. So when we got a new uh, learner, new student joining uh, the platform, it can be done to him also in high quality using the previous data and his data. And this is what basically like the machine learning doing in many fields and one of this of education, of course. Yeah, great. So obviously, you know, with the pandemic, I think it's safe to say that it accelerated online learning uh, beyond people's <laughs> imaginations. And so um, tell us about your, you know, your work at Mind Valley. Has it been um, difficult, uh, different uh, over the past year? How did, how were you be able, how did you, I should say, um, how did you, you know, how did you overcome uh, the pandemic? Did you see like an uptick on uh, the number of users, for example, or did they opt out of, you know, the platform? Tell us a little bit about how you were able to navigate uh, through the pandemic and what kind of trends uh, you were able to see. Um, yeah, sure. So, so basically, um, Mind Valley from the beginning is like online platform. So it's targeting the people all over the world and giving them the, the opportunity to have this content and com uh, connection and community through the technology using mobile apps, websites, and so on. So, so it was already like let's say Mind Valley was ahead, ahead like many steps ahead of the other education systems around the world before the pandemic. It's already uh, online. So when the pandemic came, we are already there, like, to be honest with you. So uh, the people start to sit at home and we got we, we can see grow of the people that like grows in the numbers of the people who start to go to use our technology and use the technology in general to consume content, learning uh, skills, having their personal growth at this moment, at this time. Um, and it, it was like, it was obvious that the people, uh, the more number of people understand the importance of, the importance of like learning and consuming content online. Um, and um, one challenge we faced, like we was always connecting the people on also like having events every three months or six months or one year. Um, so of course with the pandemic, this was not possible, but we already have like network for the user. That's like something like social network, like our internal connection app that's allows the user still to communicate with each other and having like uh, their community inside it. Um, I can see grow in the people who are uh, consuming online content. And I think this grow will continue uh, at least this, uh, 2021 and 2022. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's a very fair assessment. And I think in many ways, the pandemic opened um, people's eyes as to what opportunities are out there. And it, like you said, you know, you mentioned earlier on that 
uh, learning is a lifelong process. And I think what was nice about the pandemic is being able to take a step back and realize like, hey, what, what do I want to learn about that, you know, maybe is not offered in my country, but it is offered online. What can I learn about today? And then surrounding exactly, yourself yeah. with a community of learners who maybe want to learn the same thing that you want to learn, you feel less alone. And so you feel more encouraged and motivated to continue. Even if, you know, you hit these like rough patches in your learning journey, you have someone there with you to say, Hey, let's keep on going. Let's keep on learning. And so I, yeah, I, I totally agree. I do feel like, you know, online learning is here to stay. Uh, and with that, with that in mind, you know, there is a little bit of a side effect in that, you know, when, when people are, are online, especially when schools shifted uh, online almost overnight, there is definitely a big toll on social emotional development. And, and so my question would be, you know, in your view, does technology do more harm than good? Where do you sit on that spectrum? Uh, um, there are good side and bad side all the time. <laughs> we cannot deny that. Um, that's why human interaction is so important. And in, 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 in when we are involving technology with education, it's like, especially for young ages, kids and so on. Um, human interaction is so important. And um, some of the online platform trying to keep this human interaction available as much as possible by building communities, uh, uh, discussion circles, uh, meetings, like between students and so on. Um, but we, we cannot just deny that technology facilitates access to knowledge and education anywhere, uh, anytime. Um, what, what we can do is we work hard to enhance the ways we deliver the knowledge using the technology. Uh, we will not be able to just stop using technology because it's harm, harmful. We need to be ready to adjust it to um, manipulate it, to uh, um, fix it and get, gain benefits uh, from it. Uh, and that's required a lot, a lot of work from, uh, from us. So how do you use technology to create a meaningful and engaging learning experience? How can you use technology as a tool to be able to create what you said, you know, is, is basically the the, the strong suit of the human interaction, which is meaningful, engaging. And so how can we, through the use of technology, create those meaningful and engaging learning experiences for learners everywhere? Uh, okay, I, I will talk about it from like point, the data point of, uh, of view. <laughs> so uh, as you know, data is playing big role in enhancing in, in the enhancement of any process or any field. So the idea like uh, as long as we are acquiring data about the user's behavior in these platforms, we can deliver better quality of the educational system and the content itself. So so we 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 like measuring every aspect of this of the process and tracking the progress of the learner and um, understanding if it's helping him or not uh, will, will help us in fast evaluation of the, what we are delivering and fast development of what's better um, and fixing and reshaping the system if we, if we need, um, if it's required to achieve a re the, the real goals that, uh, uh, and deliver the target outcomes from the learning process itself. So here's my question. 
what do you track specifically, right? Because how would you know that this learner is actually learning something and is acquiring the skills, et cetera? Uh, and how, like, how would data then prove that what they're learning uh, through e-learning products, let's say, or programs or platforms is more effective than traditional learning methods? Um, so what we are tracking is different from one platform to another, but uh, generally talking, we are like, uh, of course we understand what the learner are looking for because when he come, you can give him like some assessment to understand what you are looking for, um, what, what, what you expect from your journey with us. And you will say, I'm, I'm expecting to, I, I'm here because let's say I want to be smarter in my work or I want to be faster in delivering my task or I want to be like understanding my nutrition so I can lose weight. So we have goal. So we register this with us. We are tracking this piece of information. Then the student enrolled in a content that's not related to his goal. We can notify him. We can guide him. Hey, we saw that you are, your target is this. So we recommend you take one, two, three because three and four and five are related to something else or whatever. And this, this online adjustment, like in real time adjustment will help in enhancing the, the, the outcome itself. Because if he's been time learning something that's not achieving his goals, he's wasting time. Also, um, what's the gross area are the learning, the learner looking for? Does this content help him to achieve it? So, so there are the outcomes from the educational process. There are the gross areas that he want to focus on. And this all from the learner side. Also from the platform side. So we deliver, let's say, the platform delivers the content in video format, but actually the user didn't consume it. So we deliver it in text format. Okay, he is love reading. He read it, he bought some highlights, he do this. So next time we deliver the, the, the expected one that he will interact with, the, the written content as example. Mm. Maybe different students have different uh, preference and so, and so on. And like also like this student consumed like long time in our platform, but he didn't interact with any of other students. So, okay, maybe the system at this point, okay, let's have like a circle, discussion circle and involve this student and send him invitation. Hey, come, we want to discuss. We have some colleagues who are studying the same thing you are did and they did good and you did a good uh, progress. Let's discuss. And we, all the time we need that the system to collect the data that can help us to adjust the system, adjust the content helping the learner to go to the directions that really help him to achieve his, his goals or the learning process goals. You touched on something really import important, Suleiman. You said, you know, when they first come, you ask them, what is their expectation? And I was just thinking, imagine if schools do that, because the expectation with schools is that, you know, by the time you turn three, four, you have to enroll into preschool and then you just have to go through the whole, you know, uh, X number of years process in the schooling system up until you graduate. That's the expectation. That's what society expects from children uh, and parents to enroll their kids into school. And, and it would be really interesting for 
you know, for schools to take that approach and say, hey, what are your expectations? Why are you here? What are your learning goals? What do you wish schools were to teach you? Um, as opposed to a set curriculum that is there and, you know, and let's say a top-down approach that like, this is what you should be learning because we say so, not because you're interested in it, right? Um, I just think like mm -hmm. there's so much night and day in terms of like what the difference is. And, you know, based on that, I'm wondering like, how do you think schools should approach this topic? Like, can we actually bring uh, personalization into schools uh, and, you know, like a, a scaled version of that? Like, is it scalable to be able to have schools, um, you know, do the whole personalized learning approach? Oh, that's a very difficult question, to be honest with you. <laughs> and it's very challenging for schools if we are talking about like um, what we can say, like a big number of students. And it will be difficult as resources to personalize it. That's why like technology help yeah. here in this, in this case. So, so what we can do from my point of view is that we, we need to like, um, take the, the experience, the knowledge from the schools, teachers, and supervisors, uh, as a facilitator, and build software that can do this. So it can work at a big scale and yeah. can directly, we can say like, it can um, personalize for each student and the teacher will facilitate the implementation of this let's say plan and um, if we want to have e-learning or learning or education personalization in schools in big scale we need technology and we need huge work or big efforts to to have like proper software ai if we can say to be able to help to facilitate this process and speed it up I agree 100%. You mentioned that, you know, you worked in several different countries from Egypt to Saudi Arabia, and now you're in Malaysia. How would you describe the e-learning culture in those places? Did you see any similarities, differences? Um, okay, the, the, the similarities that all of them are pushing forward towards using technology in education. So this is obvious in, in uh, the three countries. So. Uh, I started in Egypt and this was like 10, 11 years ago. And yeah. uh, in this time we have like, um, the infrastructure was still in development process. Uh, but in the last four or five years ago, the, the, they forced the technology into education system. They forced it like, <laughs> it's like even so the people was wondering what's happening, but the government forces the technology inside the schools and when the pandemic came, the country was prepared. So yeah. this was like one of the things like every student in high school have like his own tablet, can consume his content in his home and the exam, examination system got changed based on the pandemic, but the country was, was prepared. So the effort of the like Ministry of Education in Egypt was really like at the perfect time, <laughs> if we can say. Um, and they was able to continue the education the year the edu in 2020 without uh, big damage in the 
educational system. Uh, while in Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabia was already implementing the e-learning uh, before that. Yeah, when I worked at the University of Umukura 2014, the e-learning platform was already established and we were just helping to convert the traditional education to online courses and content. Um, starting by this time we were building the assessment and the examination and some courses. So I think Saudi Arabia was easily handled the situation when 2020 came. Um, in Malaysia, my experience is a little bit different uh, because I'm, uh, my work was Mind Valley. We are targeting people who choose to learn. <laughs> they are not in the educational like years, like they already graduated mostly and they are already having their work, but they just like doing like um, their personal growth thing. So they have more control over their uh, time and their how they consume their content and, and uh, so on, which are totally different from the traditional school or university lifestyle because there is no exam at the end. You are not like <laughs> getting grades of, of it. It's like um, you are, did you, you achieved what transformation you want in your life or not? So this is something totally uh, personal. Um, the, the, the interesting here is that the challenges are more to deliver customized and personalized content to your clients. Yeah, I love how you were able to really like give a snapshot uh, from your own personal experience on how each country, um, you know, looks at this particular issue of e-learning. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Mind Valley because a lot of our listeners are youth uh, between the age brackets of eighteen to thirty-five. So many of them are either going into college or in college or, you know, they've started their professional careers. And so what would be a tip that you would give them as to how can you land, you know, um, a great job with a great global company like Mindvalley? How did you uh, approach Mindvalley or did they approach you? And any tips do you have specific to landing your dream job in a global company? Oh, I approached Mind Valley, of course. So I applied to Mind Valley after finishing my master's degree and working a little bit in Malaysia because I was looking, okay, I want to continue focusing and developing the next level of education. And looking around, of course, Mind Valley, one of the companies that's really having like strong platforms that's doing this. So I applied with Mind Valley. Um, and I was lucky uh, to get the job there. And uh, they were, they, Mind Valley was building the data engineering team when I joined. So I just joined directly the, the team. And we built the team in this like two and a half, almost three years now uh, with Mind Valley. Um, and if, if, like, from advice point of view, just like keep learning every day. Yeah, learning, learning, learning. We will never like uh, know everything, uh, but be humble, uh, learn and share what you learned. And like, if you know something, say, explain it to other people. If you don't know it, be humble. I don't know it, I want to learn it. So uh, this is how, how you can achieve a lot, actually. Um, it's not like competition who will get the job. It's like, uh, a journey 
in this life to learn new stuff and implement it with some other people in some other team. Yeah, you're you're like that, that's music to my ears, right? Because uh, I always advocate for learning and having a learner mindset. And so it, it really does come across that, you know, you embrace learning, you love learning as an individual. And, you know, thankfully, you know, you're working now for, for, a, for a company that also values, uh, you know, learning just as much as you do. So the question is, like, how do you continue your own personal learning? And how do you keep up with developments in your field? Okay, so so um, it's important to be like aware of all the new technology appears in in your field or not ex in your field but around it. So um, for me, as a software engineer from the the beginning to be data engineer now, it's always there are like new technology appears and you need to keep updated uh, all the time and follow follow uh, what we can say. Um, follow the news about the new technology and try it. It's it's good to try the this different technology, even if it's not in your uh, in your field or your scope exactly. Uh, but but you can you need to learn how they built it at least and how it work and how to communicate with other systems. Um, this is this is really fun to understand how the people architecture this software and how they make it communicating with another software and all this. By time, you will understand what you love and what you don't, are not interested in. Um, um, but you, you cannot stop le really learning and you should try all the new technology you see in your, in your field. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. So what would be the best part of your job? What do you enjoy about it? Uh, so as we work with data, we mostly are like not user-facing thing uh, but when you use this data to do like what we just mentioned personalizing journey or like customizing like uh, user experience and so on that's that's really really uh, make me happy and when it uh, affect like thousands or millions million of users or something i will be like wow yeah that's why i've come to office And on the flip side, if I were to ask you about, let's say, the hardest thing that you've done at your job, what would that be? Uh, catching up the new technology. <laughs> catching up with the new technology is like very, very like, it's, a, it's like every day there are something new. If you want to, uh, to be prepared to any new technology, you need to read about it, to try it, uh, to have it, and the world will not stop. There are millions and millions of developers creating new things around the world. Some of them are successful to deliver go uh, their, their goals. Some of them, like, um, you need to think twice before using it. Uh, but yeah, you need to catch up. Yeah, we're, we're definitely playing catch up by the looks of it, because, you know, technology is just way, way, way faster than, you know, the way that we're ad adopting to it, uh, at least. But looking ahead, what exciting prospects do you see in the future, both in terms of data engineering, but also e-learning platforms? What are you most excited about? Um. It's still for me will be the 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 personalization of the 
education journey. There are a lot of things can be uh, done there. And uh, there are uh, like uh, many features that uh, we can bring to the field that really will change the way of education. And how, like, let's say the ultimate goal, how to like make this accessible and reachable by everybody everywhere uh, at any time. So uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can do this. That is exciting. That's a that's a very exciting and promising and bright future to be able to uh, scale personalized learning to all individuals from all over the world on demand um, and pretty much give them the keys to their success uh, right there. So I, I usually wrap up uh, Suleiman with a specific question, which is, what is your STEM mission? So if you had a specific STEM mission, what would that be? Uh, yeah, make education accessible for everybody and personalized. I love it. And you're already well on your way. You know, you're, you're, you're doing it and chipping away as it is uh, today. And I have no doubts that, uh, you know, you'll continue to soar, uh, whether in uh, Mind Valley or even beyond. Um, I really wanted to take this opportunity to thank you uh, to be with us today. I'm sure our listeners got a lot of great insights and advice uh, into you know, your journey personally as a data engineer, but also what they could do uh, and hopefully inspire and empower them to be able to go on and do amazing things with their STEM degrees as well. Thanks, thanks Latifa. Thanks for this amazing uh, podcast and keep, keep doing it, please. Thank you. I appreciate you, Suleiman. Thank you. That was all for this week's episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And of course, leave us a review. That's going to make our day and we'll be able to provide awesome, fantastic content your way. So we'd very much appreciate if you could take a minute or two of your time and leave us a review. Thank you once again for listening. And we look forward to seeing you again next week with more Stemspiration. Take care.